Welcome to the City Women Podcast. I'm Sharissa Great, and I'm joined by Ashley Kelly and Mary Turner. This season, we are reading through the book of Genesis and looking at how God has revealed himself as faithful. We pray today's episode encourages you and reminds you of how the Lord is faithful to you as well. Today, we will be discussing chapters 41 through 45. Let's jump right in. How are we doing, ladies? So good. So good. So good. Is that always our response? I think Probably. it is. I, I, I think st- it became a joke. Yeah, I tried to stop saying excited and interesting because I realized listening back, I say that a lot. But they become empty words. I know it. But I really do mean it. Mm-hmm. I really do mean it. I, it's Joseph is such an incredible story, mm-hmm. and we left everyone on such a cliffhanger. We did. That I'm really happy that we get to jump back into it. Yeah, I think that we should just like let's just jump in because there's a lot to cover. Oof, there's a lot. We don't mm-hmm. quite know how to get through all of it, mm-hmm. but we're going to do our best. But we left last time. Joseph is in prison. He yes. thought maybe he could get out of prison. Mm-hmm. He had interpreted these dreams, and it doesn't quite work out. But like he, he was had. forgotten. He was forgotten. He had to wait two more years in this prison. Yes, it says two years later. That's are there more depressing point. words in the Bible? Yes, there <laughs> are. But I would say in this instance, oh, that is so discouraging. Mm-hmm. It. And it just feels like a long time when you're in the midst of something. Right. You're falsely accused. Mm -hmm. He has had so many ups and downs in his life. And, you know, God blesses him in the prison, but it's not the same as living in a nice house. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think he has to assume he was forgotten and will always be forgotten. It's not like he knew. We know two years later he doesn't. Like he's in this is it, you know, as far as mm-hmm. he knows. Like, well, he forgot about me. There's no way he's going to remember now, two years later. And Joseph is incredible about making the best of any situation he's in. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in a beautiful house with a difficult um, mistress <laughs> or whether it's in a prison or in a palace. He mm-hmm. makes the best of every situation. I think that's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. But we have dreams come up again. Again. And Pharaoh has a dream and he can't get anyone to interpret it for him. nobody not his magicians and all the people that would have been trained in dream interpretation because this was actually a thing in egypt at the time they even had like books and stuff written so that like specific things would mean symbolize certain things like in you know in the dream and in real life but all these people who were trained and should know could not interpret the dreams i always wonder how does Pharaoh know that their dream interpretations weren't correct? That's a good question. Like how how does I don't I've always mm-hmm. wondered that even in other instances in the Bible where there's dream interpretations and all of that it's like how do it is well, it Well it it says that no one could tell him what it meant. No one could So maybe it's outside of the ritual books of magic and the stars maybe. and they were too afraid of him to tell him a right. lie. Don't want to don't want to interpret it wrong. Correct. Maybe because on the thread of life or mm-hmm. you know something. I don't know. I'm always just like, how do we know? Why do we so? Why does the pharaoh or whoever's in charge having these dreams so quickly and easily accept the interpretation from Joseph? Where we see it with Daniel as well later I think on. In the it Old must Testament. be God's intervention. Mm-hmm. God is making a path for him mm-hmm. here. And there are those situations in your life you look back and you go, well, obviously. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Only God could have worked this right. out. Because this is, honestly, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That Joseph would be remembered. Mm-hmm. Here he is in prison. That he would come to Pharaoh. He would interpret his dreams. And, and even know to what riches. to do. Know what to do. Like, gave him a plan, like, right away. Mm-hmm. And that Pharaoh would accept it. Mm-hmm. It's all, there is no other explanation other than, than God. God. Yeah. And I think God does it that way so that there is 
no other mm-hmm. explanation yeah. than him. It's some sort of maybe, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit here yeah. in the Old Testament of like confirming it in Pharaoh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here he's impressed, it says, by Joseph's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Because if he was merely impressed like, oh, he knows how to interpret dreams, he would have hired him as another one of the magicians. Right. But he hires him into a much better role. He's mm-hmm. not just a wise man or a magician. Mm-hmm. He is put as the second in command. Mm-hmm. He becomes the image of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. which is a very big deal. Right. And I think maybe the key part of that is what Pharaoh actually says before he's um, impressed with his wisdom, is that he actually recognized that the spirit of God was upon Joseph. Like he says that. He says, spirit of God. And this is only the second time in Genesis where we see this, the spirit of God. We, we saw it in Genesis 1 where the spirit of God was roaming over the, the abyss um, before creation. And and so it pops up here again. And I, I, I think that for Pharaoh to acknowledge that and recognize that about Joseph is really key. And, and it shows, again, God's intervention. Mm-hmm. There is no way that this pagan would have mm-hmm. referenced the spirit of Elohim right. without God coming on the scene. He had to have... he. It, it's godly inspiration. Right. He had to have known Joseph was different than all the other people, than the magicians and all, you know, and like his God was different. And we don't see... I wish we saw a little bit more of Pharaoh and the impact that Joseph has on him. Because I wonder... He seems open to God Very. here. And so I just wonder, like, what kind of impact did Joseph have on him spiritually? And they seem to have a very close relationship, mm-hmm. as we'll see later. It doesn't. It, I think it seems a bit unusual mm-hmm. for a pharaoh with a foreigner, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really exciting mm-hmm. and interesting. I think, I don't remember where, but as I was reading, Joseph even called, even said that he, Joseph was a father to pharaoh. Which is weird, because he's young. So is pharaoh young? Maybe. But Joseph is 30. Yeah. This happens when Joseph is 30. Pharaoh could be very young. You're absolutely right. Maybe. I mean, that that would have, that happened a lot. Young teenagers, young boys, you know, being, because of the way that dynasties worked and, you know, all that stuff. And there's Um, also a recognition of the wisdom mm -hmm. of of Joseph. He has unusual amounts of wisdom for someone his age. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. And I think this, this, as you said, it's kind of a reference back to creation in Eden, and it's made... It's it's meant to make us think about Joseph having these two paths. You mm-hmm. know, from the very beginning of our story, there are two paths. You can go your own way, like a lot of the other people in Genesis have gone their own way, mm-hmm. or you can choose to let the Spirit guide you. And right. we see Joseph choosing that path over and over again. Mm-hmm. So here he is. He's the image of Pharaoh. We started to say here we have Joseph. He even physically looks like Pharaoh, mm-hmm. right? He has. Uh, he's he physically, you know, he's shaved down. You know, normally, he would have had a beard and hair. He's shaved down the Egyptian way, and he wears a cloak like Pharaoh. He has the chain and the drives a chariot just like him. So if you look at him, it's like you're looking at Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And everyone is bowing down to him just like in his dream. It's mm-hmm. starting to come true. Yeah. Um, this is just an interesting little tidbit. We didn't talk about it earlier, but... I remember studying ancient Egypt, Egyptian culture with my kids when we were homeschooling for a year in 2020. <laughs> and I learned, you know, like they they have the black coal around their eyes. You know, that's a very distinctive Egyptian look. 
um, men and women both, you know, and you're just like, well, I wonder why there's a purpose behind that. And so even at this time in ancient Egypt, they would have had that around their eyes. So he would have looked like that. But they do that because the sun is so intense and um, they're it's it's all sand it's all and it glares the sun glares and so the black coal around the eye helps to eliminate that glare on their eyes from the sun and so like there was like an actual purpose to why mm-hmm. they wore the makeup that they mm-hmm. did which and is why football players i mean yeah. i was thinking the same <laughs> yeah. thing as like a football player but they made it a little more you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah Artistic. it's so iconic you know exactly yeah. what i'm talking about yeah. without me the showing you eye. a picture yeah 100 percent interesting interesting so he begins, he doesn't assimilate, but he begins to be a part of the society. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh gives him a new name and and he has these, and a wife, mm-hmm. uh, and he has these sons. And he is a part of the society, but we keep seeing him as different. Mm-hmm. But the sons are a really interesting part. I think even his name shows, their their names show mm-hmm. that he's, he's keeping himself um, separate in a way. Yeah, I mean, they're Hebrew names, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm assuming. They're Hebrew names and we're told at least in the footnote of my bible the meaning of the names and in the text as well so he names um his first son manasseh which means make it sounds like the word that means making to forget and so Mm. you know really he's naming you know may god help me forget really all the tragedy of my family and where i came from and all that and then he has another son named ephraim and that one is a word that sounds like to make fruitful. Um, and so really, uh, Joseph, you know, says, may he make, because he has made me fruitful in affliction in where I am. Um, and so those, those names are, are very interesting. One is almost very wallowing in, in effect. And the other one is, is more hopeful. And, and it, it plays out, we'll see later in the story, that God chooses to bless and exalt the one that is about being fruitful rather than forgetting. Which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think I always thought he was trying to forget where he came from. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is because, again, they're Hebrew names. Mm-hmm. I, it's a reminder every time he calls their names. I think it's, he's, he's trying to forget the trauma. Right. But he, he's still he, broken yeah, about he, that. He's trying to forget all that went down with his brothers, mm-hmm. but he still has his identity in mm-hmm. being this child of the promise, really, mm-hmm. being part of this line and, and serving the one true God. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't answer that prayer. You know, naming these children are in a kind of like a prayer. God does not answer that one. He's like, no, I'm not going to let you forget it because they're coming back, you exactly. know? Yeah. So his, his dreams start to come true. I mean, they, they he, he is put in charge of disaster relief, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And so the Nile River usually floods annually. And it's what makes uh, it such a, a incredible place for growing crops and all the things. Yep. And so this drought is really very unusual mm-hmm. because it just is very regular that the the, yep. the Nile will flood. That's why previously when there were famines in the land with Abraham and Isaac, that's why the temptation was always to go to Egypt. Because when the other places were experiencing famine, Egypt was not because they had the Nile River. Um, but this is this. So that should show us the severity of the famine and the drought that is that is happening. It's even happening in the famine-proof Egypt. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. And so they have this this drought, just like Joseph predicted. So mm-hmm. they have this time where they put away the food to prepare for the drought that is mm-hmm. coming. 
And then um, there's just really interesting time that all the people from all around the world come to purchase the grain just as yes. they were preparing for. Yes, there's um, at the end of um, at the end of chapter 41, verse 57, it says, "All the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain." And I think that that is meant to make us remember. It's kind of like a hyperlink back to the original promise of God to Abraham in Genesis 12, um, where where God promised Abraham that they would have a land, um, that he would be the, that he would be the father of many, like that there would be a nation, that he would have a descendant. So the land, people, and that through them all the earth would be blessed. And so we've seen we've seen stories kind of um, Abraham and, and Isaac really kind of uh, dealt with the idea of land and the promised land and the wells in the land and buying the, the burial plot and all of that kind of secured the idea of land for these people. Not that they had it because they won't have the land for still many centuries. Um, and then Jacob dealt a lot with the people, the descendants, the family obviously brother, the brothers and all of that. Well, here in Joseph's story, we're going to start seeing how um, how God is going to bless all of the earth through these people. And we're, we're seeing it because Joseph, because of the wisdom that God gave Joseph, was able to stockpile all this grain. Now, all the earth, I don't think that that is, um, that is very purposeful, that phrasing, all the earth has come to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain. And, it's, and they, he's able to bless and essentially save all the earth. Which, if you look at it, I mean, we, we kind of just accept the story. But if mm-hmm. you look at it, just pull back a little bit. It seems highly unlikely that this group of, this family group, and I say small, I mean, they have a lot of people mm-hmm. in, in their family group, but that they would rescue the whole world. Mm-hmm. It, it seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But God works with remnants. He works with the little what seems unlikely very insurmountable Mm -hmm. impossible which is the whole story of joseph the whole story of genesis (laughs) exactly let's keep pulling out (laughs) whole story of the bible (laughs) but we switch our focus back in 42 back to your favorite jacob to jacob yeah Mm -hmm. so they are affected as well by this famine the whole world so they are affected as well and jacob heard that there is grain available in egypt so he says to his sons I love this. Why are you standing around looking at one another? <laughs> what? What is this? What do we do? <laughs> oh, my God. So he send, he wants to send them to Egypt to buy grain mm-hmm. to feed the family. Yep. I heard there's grain there. Go go buy grain and, and help us survive. So the 10 brothers go. Benjamin mm-hmm. does not. Mm-hmm. He is now the favorite son, so he mm-hmm. has to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob doesn't want a chance losing another one of his favorites. So right. the other 10, which are disposable to him apparently, he sends off to Egypt to purchase food. And they have no idea what they're walking into. No one does. Right. Nobody knows. We do. Joseph on the other doesn't side know. It. The brothers, nobody, nobody, knows. nobody knows. Yeah. But the story gets so good. It does. <laughs> so they encounter Joseph because he's the governor of all... Um, Egypt at this point. He's in charge He's of everything. He's the one that would be selling them the grain. Yes. And he he recognizes his brothers instantly and right. says. Can you imagine that? Uh, you, I just imagine like the pit you get in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, what's happening? Because, mm-hmm. and all the things that happen from this point where I thought he was just kind of being a jerk. It's really, he's testing mm-hmm. to find out, are you any different? Are you the same brothers that I knew 
what is it, 13, 14 years, whatever it is I think at it's, this point. It's, so it's been 20 years. 20, so he was 30 you. when he was promoted, yes. and they had seven years of plenty, That's and now right. we're into the... So it's been at least 20 years. Thank you for doing math. Yeah, <laughs> I did that just now. I was <laughs> trying to think. I was like, I know it's good. We're going to need to know that. Oh, no. Yeah, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, they, they knew him at 17, 20 years, 37. He wouldn't be unrecognizable to them, mm-hmm. but somehow they don't know him, and I, I have some opinions. I mean, first of all, he looks very Egyptian, yeah. but his skin tone would have been different than the other mm-hmm. Egyptians around him. I think because of clues throughout the text, I think that he kept himself at a little bit of a distance from them so they couldn't get up close and really see him. Mm-hmm. So he recognizes them, but he wants to make sure he's unrecognizable yeah. to them. He speaks to them through an interpreter. So they have no reason to assume they have no idea brother. that he can understand them, no that idea. he can speak Hebrew. or. But if they had gotten up closer, someone would have been like, you look a lot like our brother. Or you at least don't look Egyptian. Yeah. Like you don't look like you belong here. Maybe he looks like Benjamin. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, they don't recognize him, but Mm -hmm. he recognizes Mm -hmm. them. Well, he left them a slave. Like there's no reason to assume that he would have been promoted to some sort of leadership. Mm -hmm. So So he, he starts, Joseph, starts asking them some questions. And um, he starts replaying the narrative from his childhood with his brothers as this first test that he has for them. And he accuses them of being spies, very similar to how um, they accused him of something. Oh, are you trying to rule over us? Yeah, Yeah, this, oh, you know, all Mm -hmm. these things. He's just recreating that moment. And then he puts one of them in prison, just like they put him in the pit. Or then he um, gives them money, just like they sold him for money. And then they have to abandon a brother, just like they abandoned him. It's all these beats from his story mm-hmm. that he was replaying with them to test them to see if they'll mm-hmm. respond differently than the first time around. Yeah. And and I think it's probably important to also note that, yes, Joseph is testing them, but I think greater than that, this testing is coming from God. He's Absolutely. using Joseph as the vehicle to test because we've got to see, have they changed? Have they progressed any in the way of the Lord, because Joseph was supposed, I mean, Jacob was supposed to, I mean, be teaching his sons the way of God, right? Like, hopefully. And so have they, have they changed? And obviously they haven't forgotten about this. Here we are, we're in in chapter 42, verse 21, and and they clearly we're being punished Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of what we did to Joseph long ago. This is still 20 years later at the top of their mind. Reuben brings it up. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is not something that they've let go. At least they're feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. So that's a little indication that Mm -hmm. maybe Maybe. they've changed. So there are all these tests that happen, and the question is, how will they respond? Will they show their jealousy and hatred again? Will they keep the money? Will they abandon their brother Simeon? What is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so they they go on, and they're supposed to come back with Benjamin. Right. They, on 43, they get back to Jacob, and Jacob's not having it. Right. He is not. I don't care how hungry we are. I'm not giving up my favorite son. Right. I think it's actually the end of 42 is when they finally make it back to Jacob and they tell him, like, we've got to come. I think I was in the wrong chapter. Yeah. I think I said 42 they, earlier, The conversation but kind of yeah. it, it flows into 43, yeah. too. And so they tell Jacob, you know, what has happened. And um, this is the promise we made. We have to bring Benjamin back to get to get Simeon. And um, Reuben here steps up, too, and he says, if something happens to Benjamin, if he doesn't come back, you can kill my two sons. 
you can you can you can kill them. Mm-hmm. Like he's trading his two sons for the favored son of Jacob, and Jacob is still like, no, like you cannot like his Jacob's well being and his life is so wrapped up in the well being and life of um, Benjamin that he is absolutely refusing to save one of his other sons. Just absolutely not. And they just kind of okay, fine. Then we're here, and so they just. They live as long as they can, and then they run out of grain again. And Jacob's like, "Hey, I need you to go buy more." But the brothers are like, "Dad, we told we have you. already told you to do that. We have to take Benjamin." And now it's Judah who steps up, having this conversation. And Judah is like adamant, like, "If you want us to, we have to take Benjamin." Jacob is not having it, and then Judah does something um, out of character so far, but hopefully, is is. It is um, a little bit of proof of, of the change that he has happened. He offers himself. Reuben offered his sons. Jacob said no. Judah offered himself and said, I will be the pledge of safety for Benjamin. If something happens to him, if he doesn't come back, then I will bear the blame of that forever. Um, and eventually Jacob agrees. And But he kind of picks up some of his old habits. He just like he did with Esau. Mm-hmm. He says, "Okay, we'll bribe him. <laughs> we'll give him all this stuff. All this stuff. We have a bunch of of gifts that we'll put together. And there, there's a kind of a dual purpose to this. The gifts did prove that they went back to Canaan. They were who they said they were because right. they were specific to that area, and they were very um, treasured by the Egyptians for things like making their cosmetics or their perfume, their incense for embalming the dead, and then the things like the almonds or whatever, the type of food that they would have really enjoyed during this time. So they must have held on to this stuff during the famine. Right. They still had this available to them, mm-hmm. and it was being used as a bribe. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing a little bit of the, I want to say old Jacob, but I think it's still the same Jacob. Same Jacob. Same Jacob here. Um, but there's no trickery involved. You know, there, he's not, none of that. No. And it wasn't with Esau either. It was more just, I don't know what's going to happen here. So I am just going to so overload him right. with gifts that he'll forget how angry he is. Yeah. And they double the money and they head off with Benjamin. And Joseph sees Benjamin mm-hmm. right away. And mm-hmm. he, he must recognize him as, as his brother. And he wants them to eat with them. Mm-hmm. And they get really scared because mm-hmm. this is really unusual behavior. It is. Like... I'd imagine just for the whole thing for the brothers, just like what is like what's wrong with this guy? Like why is he so fixated on us? Why does it matter? They keep getting pulled out in a way mm-hmm. that other people there don't. Mm-hmm. Why does he want to know so much that we're telling the truth? And why does he care so much about our this our youngest brother? And um, of course, we don't see them have alive. those questions, right? Yeah. yeah, he asks about the father and. Um, yeah. But they pass these tests that he had mm-hmm. set before them. They bring back the money. They bring the brother. They don't abandon Simeon. All the things. It, there is a hope for mm-hmm. Joseph at this point. It really does seem like his brothers have changed. They're not trying to play uh, fast and loose with anything here. They're being really honest with him. Mm-hmm. And so he invites them to dinner, and there's another test there mm-hmm. where Benjamin gets five times as much food. Okay, I'm going to here's here's obviously the new favorite because he was left behind with dad. If I show him favoritism, what are you going to do? No reaction. Mm -hmm. There's no reaction from the brothers again. That's another clue. They're used to it with Benjamin probably. (laughs) And I think they probably love him, too. And particularly they seem to feel some guilt about Joseph. So they can put all of that into we're all going to baby Benjamin and Mm -hmm. we're going to make him the special one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So we move on and we notice that Joseph doesn't eat with them. It's due to Egyptian customs. But uh, it's another clue that I think that he was kind of keeping himself separate mm-hmm. from them. And then we move on to chapter 44, and it's another test. Mm-hmm. And this cup that we think we, we should mention is not just a silver cup. It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, a drinking thing or something you put on the wall. It was actually known um, as the symbol of his authority. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of these symbols for mm-hmm. these pharaohs. So many, you know, that, yeah. Like the chain and the seal and the... The all the thing, the robe and the staff and the so this is another one. It's a symbol of his authority. And actually, in Egyptian culture, it was thought to have supernatural abilities to predict the future. Right. They call it as a divination cup. Exactly. Yeah. And you put water in and something. It's like tea leaves or mm-hmm. something. Something about that you're supposed to read. Joseph doesn't need this. He mm-hmm. has the spirit of Elohim on him. They think he must need this divination cup. He doesn't need it. Right. But it is this final test. He puts this cup into Benjamin's bag. And the question is, will they, in this moment of like, hey, your lives are at stake here, will you abandon, betray this favorite? You're okay with the food. Great. Right. What about your life? Right. Will you betray him just like you did me? Right. Because jo- when they Joseph finds them, you know, they had left and Joseph, they find him and find, they, or they find Joseph's cup in Benjamin's bag. And yes. so if this were anybody else and if somebody had actually taken this cup, it would have been punishable by imprisonment, maybe death. Who know? Like it is. It's not just like, how dare you take this cup? But it really is like, and and he says, okay, well, I'll just then I will keep who's ever, um, whoever actually had the cup, who's ever bag that this cup was in. That one has to stay with me. That one will be in prison. And the brothers have no idea at this Mm-mm. point. They yeah. are. They know. None of. We didn't take any money. We didn't take a cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look in whatever bag you want. Right. So they agree to whatever. Yes, yeah. sir. Check all the bags that you want. We're innocent of this. But it, and it was in Benjamin's cup. Mm-hmm. And so Benjamin. So essentially, Joseph is requiring Benjamin to stay to be not just stay but like he's going to imprison him you know this is what the brothers are thinking but what do we see happen reuben is like no or not not reuben judah 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 is like no that cannot be he is the favored son our dad will die if he does not come back and judah says i made myself a pledge for his safety so take me instead because i'm afraid of what it will do to my dad this is the complete opposite of what Judah was with Joseph. 100%. Judah was the one that said, hey, let's sell him. Hey, let's get rid of him. Um, I don't care what it's going to do to dad. All about me, me, me. But here Judah is like, uh-uh, y- you take me. I will, I will sacrifice. I will offer myself for my brother and for my father. And Joseph cannot take it. This is, the bre- this is his breaking point. Joseph is really emotional throughout this whole story. I think you can I would see be too. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I just love that they include that detail because right. there's not a not always a lot of emotion in, right. in these stories. Yeah. And sometimes there's anger. Yeah. But he, you know, breaking he down. He weeps and a crying. lot in the story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that we get to 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 share that with him. He's gone through a lot in his life. Yeah. And he. I, I, yeah, it's at the beginning of chapter forty-five. Joseph could stand it no longer. Yeah. And he sends everyone out everyone of the room. Out. Brothers, I am Joseph. It's me. <laughs> what a dramatic moment. What a, like, a twist and a turn for the brothers. No idea. No idea. Mm-hmm. How it, long would it have taken for them to, like, fully believe it? I, 
I didn't, I don't even know, but to say to them at this moment, please come closer. So they came closer. That's why I'm thinking maybe yeah. they weren't ever yeah. close to him. Come closer. You can see who I am. You yeah. can see my face. You know me underneath the, yeah. the coal eyes and all, you know, all the things. I, I'm still Joseph. And, and he right away dispels their fears. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Don't be upset. Don't, don't be angry with selling yourselves. It is God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. Yes. For wow. him to recognize that, for him to, in this moment, his concern is for his brothers and the distress that they must be feeling. And I, I wanted to say this earlier, but I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing the the Jacob and Esau story played out again. Yeah. Um, but Joseph is Esau mm. and the brothers are Jacob. And, es- and and because Esau had the reaction of like, he was the one that was wronged. And yet he ran to Jacob and was so forgiving and like, oh my God, you know, like you're back and all of that. And so we're seeing that here again yeah. um, with Joseph and he is completely forgiving in this moment. Like obviously he's tested them a lot and he, he now knows that they have changed. But he, he is, he is the man of God that we've been that waiting we want for. him to be. Yes, we've been waiting for in all these patriarchs. Mm-hmm. He's not perfect. Nobody no. is perfect at all. But he is the closest that we come to. Um, maybe in all of Scripture, I don't know. Moses is pretty close, but um, Moses doesn't end well, as far as we know. Joseph ends well. Um, so yeah, we are. We're we're seeing. Joseph be who he should be. And he had the time, obviously, to be able to work this out in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think the brother, I think it's it's all come to sort of a head where he recognizes there was purpose in this. Yeah. I'm sent here for this time. This right. is okay. Yeah, there was a lot of pain. This was difficult. I can see that you're cha- you've changed. You're safe people for me. God did mm-hmm. this. He set this up. We had a part to play in a larger story. Right. And this is really the bigger theme and topic at play here is the idea of the providence of God. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll probably talk a lot about that in our next episode. Yes. But this is what he's getting at. Like all of everything that has happened in Joseph's life was not happenstance. It was not, um, you know, like God used it. I even, I have this quote from a commentary. It says that the Bible knows only of providence, not serendipity. Mm. And so all these things that have happened weren't just by chance. God was working. Um, God was doing things that even, even as Joseph is experiencing it and the brothers are experiencing it, they couldn't see. It's like the back of a tapestry. You know, like if we see the back end, we see the mess we see like, how could this turn into anything good? All these parts and all these pieces, what I experienced here, this and that, and it's the whole story of Genesis really. But what God sees is the front of the tapestry, the beautiful masterpiece that he's weaving together. And so here, because I I think Joseph, because he has the wisdom, like the Pharaoh acknowledged that about him, like you are, you are wise. The spirit of God is upon you. I think that Joseph, Unlike most of the other characters that we've read about, he's able to see and acknowledge that that God is doing something beautiful, even when we don't see it. And yes. so he's able to encourage his brothers like, hey, 
what you what you did actually turned around for good. Look, you're here now. I'm able to help you and save you. And they have this beautiful moment yeah. together, and they're able to. It says talk freely. I don't. Yeah. I love that. And he I can embraces s- Benjamin, yeah. but then he invites them to come live in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I, I can take care of you here. Go yep. get our father. Bring them here. He's he's this new Noah. Mm-hmm. Not only is he is he saving his his family, he's saving the whole world. Yeah, Noah. He could just save his family. Right. This this Noah is mm-hmm. saving the whole world, and really, this is meant to make us think of Jesus Christ, which obviously we'll get into that in the talk next a lot episode because there's a lot of that. A lot we of just want you to know we that know. that we know <laughs> and that we are seeing Jesus all throughout um, all throughout this story. And I also think that it's interesting to to point out that Egypt has been kind of a theme. It's popped up multiple times in Genesis. But it was never the right thing for them to go to Egypt. When famines happened, um, Abraham went to Egypt and disaster, like he shouldn't have. Um, when fa- when the famine happened with Isaac, God actually told him, do not go to Egypt. But here, there's another famine. And now it is the right thing for God's people to go to Egypt. And this is, again, we said the the people who are hearing this or reading this are the children of Israel later mm-hmm. when they're in captivity or wandering in the desert, they can see, how did we get here? Right. How did this happen? How did we end up in we Egypt? We shouldn't be here anyways. And, you know, but now they can see like, no, there was a purpose and a reason why you are here. And while it didn't turn out fantastic, God's still working with it. Yes. And I think you would also mention something that, um, when Pharaoh hears about the family coming, um, they're delighted to yeah. hear this. And that is very different mm-hmm. than Pharaoh when it comes to, to Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if, like, so for the original audience, hearing Joseph's experience with, experience with Pharaoh and how Pharaoh treats the brothers and the family and all of this, I just, I, I would imagine that they would be like, wow. That pharaoh sure is a lot different than the pharaohs that we experienced, you know, like there's definitely a difference in um, character or, you know, just uh, hospitality, all of it. Like so much has so much has changed. And obviously they would pick up on all of that way more than we do. Um, But I think maybe it's it maybe it helps them a little bit to know that. They weren't always the scum to to Egyptians. Yeah, this is why we were here. Mm-hmm. This is why our ancestors brought us here, not to punish us, mm-hmm. but because it was a better situation. Mm-hmm. He is a very hospitable pharaoh mm-hmm. here in Joseph's time. He says, "Go back, get and bring. You don't yes. even need to bring your stuff. Leave right. your stuff behind. We'll provide All for you best. fully. Yeah, don't even need your personal belongings. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine just leaving a house behind? Right. And oh no no no, we have something lovely for you to move into." How crazy. Right. So he provides them with all that they need for the journey and then the journey back because we're talking about a large group of people that are right. going to be moving. It, it it talks about uh, – maybe it's in the next chapter, but it talks about 70 people move. Mm-hmm. But it actually would have been about two to 3,000 people that are moving. So this right. is why they need all these supplies for this slow-moving journey back to Egypt. As I said, it was about a 30-day journey back and forth. Right. And you're talking about all these servants and the children. It, it, it takes a lot to to relocate themselves from where they are to Egypt. Mm-hmm. I wonder, this is just another thought, mm. thinking of the original audience 
and thinking they're hearing about their the original journey to to Egypt, which would have been if you know if that's truth, like thirty days. Um, but on the flip side, four hundred years plus later, the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land turns into forty years. Yeah, you know, it's almost like a. And depending on where, when they're hearing this for the first time, you know what I mean? Maybe it's meant to be encouragement, but it probably ends up being a a discouragement or rebuke. Like it could have been different. Yeah. If you guys would have followed along. Mm -hmm. So they they travel back to see the brother, I'm sorry, the father Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Jacob, and they tell him Joseph is still alive. Mm -hmm. What incredible news. Right. He's been mourning all this time. Mm -hmm. It's shaped his character. I mean, he kept Benjamin close. All the the ways he responded, it was because of the death of Joseph that he's never gotten over. Yeah. And here they come back and they tell him, hey, look at all this stuff we have. It's from your son, Joseph. He is alive and he wants us to move to Egypt and be provided for. Mm -hmm. What an incredible moment. And even in this... Jacob still makes it about himself. Always. And he's like, in my translation, the ESV, he says that he, it is enough. It is enough. And his spirit (laughs) was revived. And you know what I mean? Like his, like he's so codependent on these favored children. It really does not paint him in a, in a positive light. And the last words in our, in our text today is, I must go to see him before I die. Yeah. So dramatic. <laughs> so next time we'll talk about when we'll get the Great Union, all the things, which yeah. is nice. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a lot more about the messianic side of all mm-hmm. this and wrap up our time in Genesis. Can yes. you believe it? Yeah, because really, what we're doing here here at the end of Genesis, we get the culmination, the big message. I think that God is trying to get across to His people, and so we'll get to talk about that next time. Do you think we should talk about him, Miwi? We should do it. The thing that really struck me this time was how Joseph had every excuse to look at his brothers and to just reject them outright. He, he could have just let them get the food and go away, and he could have pretended he never saw them. They never would have known the difference. And yet he gives them the opportunity to prove that they've changed. And I think we all have situations in our life where... I, the people around me, um, have done things wrong, and we want to give each other the opportunity to change. I know that I have have changed over the course of my life, and my hope is that others could recognize that. And I also want to give others the space and the opportunity to change. And and there are times where, you know, I there isn't that opportunity, mm-hmm. but where there is, I think it's a really beautiful part of the story that Joseph made space for his brothers to show them who they were now mm-hmm. and the fact that they did change and that he did let it go. What had happened in the past, he let it go. And he said, you know what, brothers, I can see God's hand in all of this. Mm-hmm. And my whole story was part of God's plan. And I don't want you to beat yourselves up over it. And he even at the end, he says, hey, don't quarrel about it on your way back home. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, mm-hmm. hey, don't worry. Really, honestly, let it go. Mm-hmm. And let that be me in my life finding ways to make space for people to have changed and to think of them in a new light and then be able to approach others from from that aspect Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. i love that so much harder to do than to say it is there's a lot of (laughs) grace and mercy and wrestling inside of yourself 
Mm-hmm. And we see that wrestle in Joseph's story. He's, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think something that stuck out to me was in chapter 41 when he's called in to interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph responds immediately, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And and he he was similar in his conversation with the cupbearer, you know, like, God will help me interpret this. But, um, but I was just thinking about, like, how often when we are given a gift or when we feel like um, God has revealed something to us and we share it, are we quick to give God the credit or mm-hmm. do we tend to just like, oh yeah, you know, like, and we wouldn't say we're awesome, but I don't know, like I'm not always quick to know that was God, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I don't know if that's because it's uncomfortable or whatever, like you're just trying to move on. But, um, but it would have been really easy for Pharaoh to take this gift and parade it as like a special power, like bow to me. I'm the only one who can interpret it. And instead he was just very wise and discerning and um, humble about it. And I just want to be similar, you know, Mm -hmm. like I want to be sure that when people see God in me, I point it back to God Mm -hmm. and not, yeah, I'm awesome. I think sometimes this is the hardest part of of our podcast episodes is like narrowing it down to like, what's one thing that I want to highlight? There's obviously so much, and I'm really excited for the next episode where we will really be able to kind of dig into the biggest thing that is really revealed here in Joseph's story. Um, but one thing that kind of stuck out to me was that very similar to yours, Sharisa, you know, um, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream and, you know, he's promoted, like he has the, he's exalted, he um, comes to a rise in power. And it would be really easy for us or for Joseph or for anyone else to read this because it's Pharaoh does this, Pharaoh does that, you know, all these things. And to give the glory and attribute Joseph's rise to Pharaoh, like Pharaoh uh, found him, Pharaoh is promoting him, um, you know, all these like the blessing is now coming from Pharaoh. And but in reality, we have to see Pharaoh as a vehicle of God's blessing and mm-hmm. God's providence. Um, because really, it was God who brought about all the little things, you know. And so I think in 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 my life, it's super easy to look at certain situations and be like, that person was my savior. That person provided for me. That person made a way. When in reality, God was using that person. That person was just a tool or a vehicle for God's plan to be furthered out. Or sometimes that even comes with discipline. People, you know what I mean? Like it can go both ways. Um, But just wanting to see God at work behind it. Um, And then for, you know, so that's for me. And so then for the we part is um, I want to be open for God to then use me for the good and the betterment of other people. Um, And so, you know, just being open to what what God would do there. And then also to recognize that God is doing that for other people. It's not just about me. It's not the Ashley story. It's not the Joseph story. 
um, you know, and God, God is working for everybody and, and doing all of this for, for everybody, not just, not just me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope this conversation revealed something new to you about God and or yourself. We'll be back next week as we discuss the next five chapters. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have by emailing us at citywomen at citychurchok.com or click the link in our show notes. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at citywomenok.com.